I'll fucking mute you guys again if I have to. <laughs> Hello, I am your host, Samuel Hansen, and you are listening to Combinations and Permutations, episode 23. On a very late episode this week, we discussed the game of life, Gosper's Guns, and a little bit too much about Transformers. Here it goes. Hello and welcome to Combinations and Permutations, the mathematical podcast that comes to you from UNLV CDC Building 7's mailroom, which we found out today is room 723. Which is the twenty three, not the not the seven twenty three, but the the twenty three is actually the uh, episode number we're on. So there's some sort of absolutely completely nonsense, nothing to do with mathematical serendipity there. So, yep, uh, and so that that voice that you heard is, uh, of course, one of the all stars. And once again, I am not going to put him on the bench. As a matter of fact, I'm making him play every single position today, Mister Nathan Rowe. I'm sorry, I'm too busy trying to play all the positions. Can't talk. And oddly enough, he's not out of breath. And then Nathan Rowe's better half, Christopher Bates. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and also the actual better half of Nathan Leanne Duncan. Nice. Nice, that's all I get. Yep. It's, uh, well, okay, I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you're you, welcome. Sam. You're, you're a very welcome. I will remember that later on when I make sure that you get the better portions of food that I cook. Sweet. Nathan. That's deserving. Nathan's getting Aww. the scraps. He always gets the scraps. <laughs> deserving. Thanks. That's true. Thanks, thanks, thanks Chris. Every, everybody will be able to see that. Uh, everybody, you should uh, check out uh, the blog page this week, uh, combinationsandpermutations.blogspot.com, because uh, along with the posting that I put up, for today's episode, I act, I'm also going to put up a video where you can see all of us and see the space in which we're recording. So without any further ado, we're going to do what we try to do, kind of, every <laughs> week, which is introduce a topic and talk about that topic. And this week's topic is the game. Dun, dun, dun. Okay, now that didn't work at all, did it? Didn't work. Well, what's the game? Like, well, what game it is seemed it? to work fine until you said no that didn't work uh, no, no, and it the, stopped the, working the whole dun 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 i was, I was going it for dramatic it would have been fine if you just followed dun 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 with the answer i wanted to know what you were going to say i thought it was a little contrived thank you see but what was this even is why, more contrived this is, is why she's better than you are I'm winning. You can't so go hard. dun 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 and then change your mind about it uh, yeah once i can you, taken, i'm going i'm going to start over again step, once you've taken the step like like Chris and I were saying, you can't go backwards. You just keep got to keep going forwards. Like I can, because I'm a deterministic machine. And so, <laughs> once again, I'm going to try. The topic this week is the game of life. And no, do not worry. We have dun, not. Dun, dun. <laughs> we have see that that time it worked. It worked when you did it. I'm just that good, I guess. <sighs> You're all the positions, including the. Dun dun dun. dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and 
And no, don't worry, your intrepid podcasters here at Combinations and Permutations have not gone all philosophical. We're not trying to give a long and lengthy discourse on how life is not really worth living. It's all a game, blah, 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 nausea, Sartre. No, that's all true. Yeah, I hate Kierkegaard, that shit. existentialism, blah, blah, blah. No, we're talking about the game of life, which is also known as life, and it's a cellular automata. Yes! <laughs> that was derived by the wonderful Conway? John Conway. Conway. A, another still living mathematician. This is two episodes in a row where we're talking about mm. people are still alive. The, he's still alive? Yeah, he's only in his 70s right now. Wow. Yeah. The, the Game of Life first came out in 1970. Yeah, it was published so, in uh, Gardner's Scientific America. Yeah, it was uh, one of those columns. And yeah, with a, with a $50 prize for anyone who can prove or disprove something. And then... It was disproved. Uh, yeah, uh, I Gosper. Gosper from the uh, MIT uh, right, AI right, lab right, did right, it. Right, right. Bill Gosper is another. If you ever have a chance, if you read, uh, oh shoot, it was it AI lab. It was something. Oh, it was uh, hackers by Code Crackers Slackers. Oh no, no, no. It oh, was no. it was it was hackers <laughs> by. Uh, oh, this is uh, Stephen Levy. <laughs> The book Hackers by Stephen Levy, which is all about the MIT AI lab. It, uh, it, Gosper was one of the people on It's an absolutely amazing book. And they actually talk about the game of life in that book because it had a huge role as far as introducing uh, the programmers to automata. Now, uh, since, since it's all about automata, we should probably define that before we actually start talking about the game of life. And I'm going to let Chris do that because I know that he's thought a lot about cellular automata. Well, do you want the definition of automata in general or, or the definition of cellular automata? Cellular automata. Oh. Well, I mean, uh, I guess the simplest uh, – uh, well, I'll give an example and then probably go from there. But um, the, the simplest automa cellular automata that I'm familiar with are one-dimensional cellular automata. Imagine one row on a sheet of graph paper, uh, and uh, in this row, these uh, squares can be colored either black or white. Um, and so we'll call this first row uh, the, the initial state of our, of our system. Um, and then there will be a rule that determines how this system evolves. The rule will be based on three-cell neighborhoods where uh, – will, will be based on three-cell neighborhoods where um, if you look at three cells, they're adjacent to each other. You've got the left-hand cell, the right-hand cell, and the, and the middle cell. Those cells will be either black or white, uh, and there are, of course, two to the third different uh, colored neighborhoods uh, for for the each neighborhood to, uh, state to be in. Well, given each three color, uh, given each neighborhood state, we can determine what the the state of the middle cell will become in the next uh, time step. And so, really, what we're saying is that the local state of of this of this universe. I'm sorry, the local state of the system. Um, the the, state, the future state of the system is determined by its current local state. So it's it's a deterministic automata, and basically what. Chris is going through a really long-winded example to try to explain, <laughs> is, is it's, um, it's a deterministic automata in which um, each cell has a finite number of states, and the state it will be in its next generation is derived by the neighborhood surrounding the cell. Right. And that, that's just the basic right. idea of a cellular right. automata. Like it, it, it is traditionally binary, so everything's either white oh. or black. No, no. <laughs> There's a there's very important and well known ones and not ones I happen to know the name of, but I've definitely heard of them where there's up to it even some of the well known ones go up to eight eight different states per cell, but they can all be 
yeah run in a binary in the binary environment because yeah. cellular automata are turing complete or at least some cellular automata depending right. on the rules the right. game of life which we're about to talk about is turing complete Ooh. any any problem that has an algorithmic solution, solution can be run using the rules of the game of life yeah. hmm. mario yes <laughs> no yes it doesn't have an algorithmic solution. It's not a problem. It's not a yes or no problem. Oh, well, it can also do everything. It, it can do and and or gates and things like yeah, that I so mean, that it can with... do anything a computer can. Yeah. It would need a separate computer to read it and then yeah. display Mario images or that whatever. That would be amazing. But, um, no, it would be horrible because <laughs> it would be very inefficient. Each scene would take years probably to render. Yeah, right. Because uh, Turing machines and cellular automata are very important for the contrapositive, not for the positive. So, yes, it is true that, as we said, with these cellular automata, any, any mathematical problem that has an algorithmic solution can be done on a cellular automata. We're not worried about that positive. That positive does us no good. We're worried about the contrapositive, which states that if no cellular automata can do this problem, then there exists no algorithmic solution. Right. That's what matters, not the other way. Because Turing machines, cellular automata are slow. Really slow. How do you how do you program these things? That is way well, beyond yeah. my general knowledge. I mean the the Turing machines were were simpler. Um I mean but yeah. Uh, I mean it's not I mean, it's just, it's just, actually, Turing machines kind of have a one-dimensional cellular automata, but um, instead of it being, the whole thing being defined, only one gets acted on at a time. Um, uh, yeah, in, in in some ways, in all the previous states you could think of as the name, I mean, they're both deterministic. They have some differences on the uh, infinite, a few different things on some things can be infinite, some things can't, that... There is a translation way, but they're not necessarily that easy to translate back and forth. And the thing is, nobody cares if they can program a Turing machine because you're never going to program a Turing machine. You're never going to really program a a cellular automata, but you might create new rules which create a new cellular automata because you might find very interesting things. I mean, Stephen Wolfram, the whole reason Mathematica was invented was to do cellular automata work. And it's fantastic. I love Wolfram. Yeah, Wolfram. Even Wolfram Alpha, Alpha is pretty we should, awesome. Yeah. We should hook hook you guys up then. I mean, I hear he's still single. So. <laughs> no, I know he's. I, I doubt, doubt he's single, but but if you love him, he's another living man. We can find a way. <laughs> I I don't know if you. I don't know if mathematician is the best title for Wolfram. I would give him. Well, he is a mathematician. Yeah, I guess, uh, but but I I think that mathematician is a is a lesser title to like three other titles you could give him. Um, Probably CEO, he's com- a developer. computer engineer, yeah. um, you know things like that. I I think that. Let's see. Uh, according to Wikipedia, he's given the titles in this order: physicist, software developer, mathematician, author. And businessman. I said developer. I said software engineer. I so said that's... developer. He's, he's actually done work in theoretical particle physics, cosmology, 
cellular automata complexity theory computer algebra and wolf from a wolf from alpha that's actually He's another what... guy from the uk conway is was also born in britain wolfram's british coincidence yeah. oh, i don't like i anymore. think so why don't you like what do you have against the brits man Let's... Come on, Dissatoy is British too. I really like his work. I let me just say that. Oh, that's right, Newton. Sorry, uh... Britain. There are about three or four generations in my family that were uh, that were like run over by the British and charged two percent taxes for things like tea, um, and that's not okay with me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wah wah wah! You had the Boston Tea Party. You fought for revolution, and now we're here. And, and I'll never forgive them. okay so let's let's actually talk about the game of life so what are the rules of the game of life wash your hands before you eat well the game of life is two-dimensional instead of one-dimensional yeah it's it's grid it's an orthogonal grid too right orthogonal square grid right right so instead of instead of just looking to the left and to the right you look in all eight directions so so the action on one cell is determined. I, I thought by, it was only four directions. It, it does look at eight directions. The diagonals in, are included. In I, the, no, uh, diagonals no? are not included. <gasps> yes, they are. No, they're not. Uh oh. Dun dun dun. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> substitution. <laughs> well, keep I, I really, keep on talking. I really I, think they are. Oh, I'll, right. I'll figure that either, out. You explain either the there's rules. eight directions or four directions. Um, if there's only four, oh man, that would. I don't know. Um, anyway, um. So, so there are either four or no, there are either five or nine um, bits that it takes into account when determining its action. All right, so if they're all either on or off, um, and then the rules, the rules state something like, I think that if there are, if there are, if you are turned, like looking at the central one, the central one's action in the next step is. If it is black and it has two neighbors, oh yeah, it is. It is eight. You're right. Yeah. Okay. So, so if the central one is black and one and two of its eight neighbors um, are uh, well, black being zero and white being one, or the other way around. I mean, so black and white instead of uh, yeah, black is usually alive. White is usually dead. Yeah. Meaning empty. Yeah. Right. Right. Because it's the game of life. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so so if it has three living neighbors that are other than itself then it it dies of overcrowding if it no has... if it has more than three right oh, it can it have two it's or three more than three it can have two or three and stay alive because remember it's 23 right. three yeah okay yeah two or three and stay alive and if if you are looking at a, a square that's already dead um uh, blank um and it has three neighbors then it comes to life uh immediately yeah. Well, in, in your next iteration, in, in the next yeah. One, yeah. So, so the, it just it just spontaneously comes to life, or it's it's you know expanding of them, and then, uh, yeah. That those are those are the, the there's four those are the four rules. Yeah. If, if you um, have fewer than two, you die. Oh, I didn't mention that. One. Oh, okay. If you have more than three, you die. Yeah. Yeah. You die from you overcrowding. You die or... from lack of population. Yeah. And you come to life from like expanding growth and yeah, you stay and alive if you have two or three two or three neighbors yeah and so there's there's literally these these three things or four things 
and it's all these rules, and yet you can create some of, I mean, from these four rules, you, one, you're Turing complete, which is quite amazing. Right. And you can also create essentially emergent complexity. And that was one of the arguments that Gardner had, or one of the reasons that, or not Gardner, that Conway had, that one of the reasons he wanted to do this. Yeah, I believe it came out of conversations he had with von Neumann, um, in that he wanted to show that the complexity inherent in nature, because if you look outside, there's a lot of complexity, and these systems are incredibly complex. Right. He wanted to show that it was possible to get emergent complexity from simple, simple rules. basic rules. Hmm. And some of the designs and things that come out of the game of life are absolutely amazing. Yeah, like, That's true. Just, I mean... Look at some of these links that we're going to put up. Like, yeah, well, we'll the, we'll put up we'll put up that and uh, but there's also multiple different ones and uh, you know, when I said twenty three three uh, for the automata, that means two or three it lives, uh, three it spawns and three it spawns. But oh. there, but there are more. I mean, there are more rules. I mean, because you've got like what nine nine cell neighborhoods, so the Eight. number of oh well, inc including, kind of, the, including central the central cell. Central, yeah. So there's two to the ninth different states that these neighborhoods can be in and right. therefore there are two to the right. two to the ninth different rules right but no all there's those... only four rules because the rules only have to do with what happens to a single cell when switched to the next generation right, right. i mean you can well, when you when you program these for the computer you probably um use those rules to create two to the ninth rules that are much easily much more simply checked you can I, fill I them think. in, though. I mean, you have to at least satisfy those those four rules, but then you've got some freedom to create, yeah. you know, the, to fill in the rest of the the cells, or not the cells, but the rest of the, uh, to figure out what each neighborhood maps to for that for that central right. cell. But no, yeah, you, just, you just have to figure out what one cell maps to in the next generation. You don't have to figure out what the neighborhood maps to. Well, I'm sorry, that's what I meant. I mean, given the state so of this So you only need four rules, because you take each cell separately. You look at one cell, and you check to see which of the four rules it falls under. And then you draw the next one. And it's either black right. or white, depending on those four rules. And then you t look at the next cell. And then you yeah. do that. You look right. at the next cell. And then you do that. Oh, right. But, right. But, right. But what, what's uh, another way to look at it is each of those rules end up grabbing a portion of the two to the ninth possible states we're looking at. So the rule, the rule where you have exactly three neighbors and you are dead brings you to life. I mean, there's, you know, there's, I guess it would be eight choose three ways that can happen. So eight choose three of the two to the ninth possible but, but things But the problem is when you talk about that, you're, that rule. you're still only talking about that one thing. But what happens, it, you're not, you generally don't have just an eight or a, what is it? Yeah, it'd be an eight by eight grid because that's the only time that this works. Because if you have, say, a 20 by 20 grid and you have one here, one here, well, then that thing also has a neighborhood that only intersects partially with another one. Oh. Looking at it that way is not an effective way of looking at it. Because of the boundary of the system? Well, just or... because you're looking at something much more complex than is necessary. Since it's it's completely deterministic. It's naturally deterministic. So you only have to look at one thing at a time. You don't have to look at entire neighborhoods because I think that that would make it much harder. Because you look at the neighborhood of one thing, well, you can map it looking at just that neighborhood, but then you're going to have to change it because what happens if one of the neighborhoods of one of the things in your neighborhood that's not the central piece causes different things to happen? Yeah, that makes sense. That that seems like it'd be part of why it's 
cellular automata. Yeah. Yeah. On a cell-by-cell basis. Right. Right, but... Even when you're just just acting with one of those with one of those simple rules, you end up looking at its neighborhood. Yeah, you do. You look at its neighborhood, but you don't figure out looking at that one what everything else is going to be. Which is the oh, two right, to the ninth right. thing. No, 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 no. Two to the ninth are the number of states in one three by three grid that that defines the action one at the center. Grid. No, three by three, three by three. Is oh yeah, nine. it's three by three. Yeah, not. Not yeah. yeah, sorry. So so the, the two to the ninth is the number of states that one time, the smallest local thing you need to look at to determine the action of one. Yeah, but guy. there's still not two to the ninth different rules. There's 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 four there, rules. There, there's an encoding of the two to the ninth possible rules into these four rules. No, I, I don't agree with because that. Because there's it's, it's not two, two to, to the ninth, ninth rules. There's there's two to the ninth different ways, but there's still only four rules. Right, right. And there's still there, only two possible the, solutions. The four rules. It's either on or off. The four rules, but I'm, I bet, I'm just saying that I bet when a computer, when a computer is given these instructions, instead of trying to do it, looking at the four rules, It'll just count. they probably look at the two to the ninth Why? possibles. Why? That would take so much time to run through every single time. It would, all, sure. all it would do is it would look at the neighborhood, count the amount of ones in that neighborhood, because each, each one would be encoded as an array with a certain, either ones or zeros. And it would just count the number of ones in that array. And if it equals two or three, well, if it equals a two or three and there's a one, then it stays as a one. Otherwise, it'll go to zero. And if it starts as a zero and it counts them up, if it's exactly three, it'll turn it to a one. Otherwise, it'll keep it zero. Okay. That yeah. rule, the four rules are probably a much simpler way of stating the the function. You know, the the, the they take into account the rotational. Um, symmetry or the uh, the, homo the homogeneity and the isotropy of, of this cellular autom of this uh, cellular automata board uh, because we don't really care where the three uh, living cells are around the no. central cell there's no we um, could care less so that that I guess those four statements uh, take care of essentially a whole bunch of right different uh, of, of the two to the ninth steps. different neighborhood states yeah um, so it's probably more efficient to state it, but but I guess to program it, one would have to um, just just count them. You could yeah, you could do it. You could do it with with um like four if statements in a row. Um, I mean, except, or, I mean, you you wouldn't. I'm use, not like I'm I mean, not you, sure. You wouldn't actually use arrays. Arrays would be a very computationally right. bad way of doing. It. You'd use uh, uh, what are they called? What are they called? What are they called? Vectors. No, no, not vectors. Vectors lists, are arrays. Sets, not, pointers? Not lists. Uh, it's Matrices? We, uh, there's the <laughs> the binary. Is it a pile? Something close to pile. Stack? Stack, yeah. Yeah, a stack would be more efficient than an array. Yeah, that's true. significantly more for yeah, something like right. this. You just pop the but, stack. But, I mean, I'm, I'm not sure which would be more efficient, running through all of these if if statements and the, and the counting, or just having a having a two, like a switch with two of the ninth options. I mean, I'm, it would probably depend on the processor and, and things like that. Or in this case, since two to the ninth is pretty big, it might always be more efficient to have if statements based well, on the with, rules. With the idea of doing it two to the ninth, is you, when you do a time analysis on it, you would assume the worst case scenario. Or in other words, each one that you check is going to be at the two to the ninth worst. And so say you have, uh, say you have n things. 
you now have what each time you do two to the ninth check. So you have in to the two to the ninth. Yeah. That's probably well, I mean, bad. but it's still it's still polynomial. Can you do math with a cellular automaton? Yes. Yes, like of course. A... It's yes. it's Turing complete. You can do math. Is it useful to like take a number theory question and I don't know, kind of try to solve it or see if it Well, can... I it would be useful to check this uh, to make sure that it could be done. Because if it can't be done, then it doesn't have a solution. Right. But to actually do it that way, no. Just program it like a normal computer person. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, yeah. It's not efficient. Um, especially if... Cause, but it, I mean, if you do yeah. start it out and you think it might give you a couple of insights into looking at it. But there, there are... I mean, there are some questions that it could answer well simply because its encoding is... I mean, it, it, if it's a question about the game of life, then the game of life would probably be pretty good at answering that. Mm, yeah. uh, <laughs> uh, that type of thing, you know. Um, but but uh, other than that, it's more useful to just use a computer uh, in the regular way, are, I guess. Are there animals? I heard there were animals. Like, was it the puffer or something? The right, right, puffer. right, right. Um, yeah, when, when, he, when the game of life was first released in 1970... Uh, in that in that uh, math magazine or, or it whatever. was in Scientific American and Martin Gardner's column. Okay, he was the puzzle dude. He in every single okay. Scientific American, the, Martin Gardner put out a math. Puzzle. The question ah. he said he said um, it by the end of 1970 or something like that. Um, you can get fifty dollars if you uh, it, like. He hypothesized that that the number of living cells, like for any initial state, the number of living cells uh, has an upper bound. For No matter how far forward you go, hmm. eventually you reach a maximum number of living cells. Uh, and it, it, wasn't, it was left as an open question for a while, and then the, uh, the MIT AI lab people found, found what is now called a gun. Gosper gun Gosper for Bill gun. Gosper. Okay. Gosper. Gun. Yeah, and and what this yeah. thing does is yeah. is I I think I think we got a new thing to yeah. take over the thing that shall never be named again. Uh, I'll shoot you with my Gosper gun, which creates unlimited bullets repeatedly oh, man. <laughs> and an unlimited number of guns. What? No, 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 no. Every fifteen generations, it creates a new one. I just got that off the, the Wikipedia. The NRA oh, would oh, love. Oh, the NRA would love this. After 15 generations, it creates the first bullet, and every 30, first, it, 30 generations, it creates its first spin. glider. I have yeah, seen gliders. Oh, oh, gliders with a gliders the are the bullets. I haven't seen. This yeah, one. you did. It was I, the one up oh, on the top. It's very simple. It's oh yeah, I did see thing. that yeah. one. Yeah. How big are these bullets? They're, they're gliders, dude. They're gliders. They're they're, they're, they're predators. <laughs> okay, let's 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 put this in military terms. It's like it creates a new predator every 15 generations. Sweet oh, man, oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> what happens to these bullets? Do they like? Well, they go they cool. go off forever. I mean, yes. I mean, if you have an infinitely sized grid, they would always be on there somewhere. Right. They just yeah, they just shoot off into into whatever, and then um, a couple generations later, the the gun itself is back to its original state, so that yep. it can it can just repeat over and over and launch these uh, these gliders. So it's Galvatron. Yeah. What? Or Megatron? You know, it, it's Transformer. It turns Gal into a gun. Galvatron? Is Galvatron even a Transformer? 
Probably. He's from like the newer, you know how Megatron was like the old leader of the Decepticons, yeah. but in the Transformers movie. He was movie, the leader of the Decepticons. Right, right. He, he, was, he was the leader, but then he got a new paint job, or maybe he got replaced by Galvatron. Galvatron <laughs> okay, according to Wikipedia, Galvatron is the name of several fictional Transformers. Most often the recreated <laughs> version of Megatron, the Decepticon yeah. Supreme Commander. Yeah. yeah, that's right. He doesn't just, he doesn't, he's not just the head. He is the Supreme, Supreme Commander. Commander. No, I'm pretty sure Galvatron is in this new Transformers movie. I don't, I don't, don't, nobody talk. It's, it's, it might be the good. worst thing ever, it was but not good. I will see it that. when it goes to the cheap seats. It's not good. Three bucks, three bucks, I'll pay. I love yeah, Transformers and they, it's, they ruined it. They, the, they ruined they, it with the first the, movie. The only, the only. They ruined it with like, the first movie. They didn't need to make a second one to ruin it more. But Megan right, Fox it. does look good. Granted, I have not Mega seen. Fox. <laughs> <laughs> what does she shoot? No. Yeah. <laughs> uh, was, I have not seen these movies, but but the the one thing I hear they have going for them is unbelievably awesome special effects and cgi well which it, means no, it, it's unbelievably awesome cgi the special effects themselves tend to be way too fast and you can't really get a get a good hook on anything that's happening at any given point in time but there are lots of slow motion shots of megan fox running which is after all <laughs> all that anybody who's actually going to see that movie <laughs> wants exactly and maybe a close-up of shia labeouf being labeoufy yeah yeah, there were a couple of those. You know, you know, those weren't as good. Little Lewis, you know, playing some tricks on his sister Ren. Oh, I remember that show. Yeah, even Stevens. <laughs> Come on, people. Where Shia LaBeouf got his like start? You know, I have seen that show. I haven't. Oh, I, I think. Okay, so let's uh, earlier today when uh, when we first stumbled on this, uh, me, Lee, and you, the first stumbled upon this when we were just putzing around in Wikipedia. Putzing. Yeah, we were definitely putzing around in Wikipedia. Oh, we were. We were talking about um, instead of using the typical grid that we have, what would possibly happen if we start using a non-regular grid? Right. Yeah. Right. And so let's, because let's with, talk about with that. With those rules, the way you've defined your rules there, I mean, the way the, way the rules are stated, the, the four rules, you don't need to have it necessarily. Four rules. Be... It's kind of like the three rules of robotics. Right. Ties it right back into Transformers, which violate Woo. all of those rules of robotics. <laughs> <laughs> but you don't, you don't need to... Uh... Through an action, cause a human to come to harm. Through an action. You know what their inaction was? Their inaction was not stopping the motherfucking movie before a lot of people were harmed. Probably. By its horribleness. Yeah. Thank you, Michael Bay. <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> okay good damn um no but but the way the the way the four rules are stated you just need to look at all the neighboring cells can count some things and so if you happen to in one situation have eight neighboring cells and in another situation have 13 random ass like awkward shaped neighboring or maybe cells, two at or one two point. or whatever then then these the rules as originally stated would still be able to work and so in this, in those situations, you would have to have some sort of a geometric intuition as to what a neighbor is. Um, and and they, they would have to share at most one point, at least one point yeah, of their I think boundary. Yeah, I think that's how you'd have yeah, to define if, it. If, a single, if infinitely they share small, but a single point. One point of their yeah. boundary, then, then they would... Uh, they would be neighbors. And so you can have, you can have like... 
you know, the standard three by three square, but then one of them is split in half diagonally. Um, and so then it just has, I don't know, like... It, it sounds like this might have, um, we might be able to use some things from graph theory where we take this... this this well you so, you can yeah. as a matter of fact if you do the game of what's it the game of life i was talking about this wasn't i what? if you take a, a graphical i think it was on the i saw it on wikipedia if you take a graphical representation oh yeah yeah was it the game of life it doesn't i'm not yeah, seeing we it on talking. the game of life but uh, yeah. there is a game where if you take the graphical representation that uh you get something that looks identical or nearly identical to the Pinsky triangle yeah that was the game of life but, okay. So would it be like a dynamic graph where the the color of each I don't know of each node would change in no, over no, time you'd, or you'd something? Just, no, you'd worry about adjacency. But I mean, to to keep track of the colors of the of the cells, though. Now we'd have to keep which we assign each node a color or something. Well, if then... I think it would just be if uh, I damn how the hell would I do that? Um, start with one. I think you'd only draw vertices for the ones that are on. And then if it has too many coming in, it doesn't. And then you you would just have to label them with a certain uh, numerical nomenclature so that you would know that when, say, you label it like 1, 1, 1, 2, 1, 3, 1, 4, the same way that we do with like matrices. Mm -hmm. And so if 1, 1, uh, what, let's say 2, 1, and 1, 3 were all on, then you would turn on 1, 2. And you draw it the next time. I. Oh, so you're saying the vertex yeah, would come it. into existence when it's on, and if it was off, it wouldn't it, exist. It wouldn't be there. Yeah. I think hmm. that you could you could um, instead of instead of having. I think the best way to do it would be to store each of these as uh, as as a collection of polygons or something if you force them to at, at the very least have straight edges for every edge then um, it'd be very easy to well we were talking about graph theory though the way you draw the vertex has no bearing on anything in graph theory you just uh, have the vertex and edges okay somewhere on the wikipedia it mentioned square square cells though i think I think they oh, specified yeah, they yeah, had okay. to be well. Yeah, yeah right. square cells, right. but but doing not in graph in, theory. Once again, right. if we're doing, talking yeah, about graphical yeah. representation. Doing it in graph, like yeah, what we're talking about with arbitrary boundaries would best be done as just as just graphs, and everything that's connected would be a connection, um, and at every node in the graph is a one or a zero, um, and then you don't even have to give it a geometry. You can just you can just have it be the graph, um, yeah. with the connections. Yeah. And so then, then you can just count it. It's two or three connections. If 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 two or three of the connections are black and your central piece yeah. is black, then, yeah, then you then, stay black. Yeah, and so that uh, way you wouldn't have any deleted. You would just yeah. <laughs> and proud. You would just draw them. Yeah, and and so so yeah, that 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 works. That would work very well. Yeah, that um, would be a very interesting way. And and it would some be rows much, could have a lot more. You know, uh, vertices some could have a lot right. less and then you can you could deform your graph uh like i mean to make it have a cool geometric looking shape or something yeah. so like you know those things like the gliders and whatever you could you could deform the space so that it actually looks like a spaceship or something like that when yeah it's very low. easily um, actually and, I, I really like the idea of the where you're going at that 
Yeah. And so then then you you still have to you still have to make them work in these special ways. You know, yeah, um, you still have to work see, with the with the rule to get them to produce the gliders and and whatever. But then you can deform the space so that they look extra cool when they're flying. <laughs> that's what everyone wants, really. That's all yeah. we all want. That's all that any of us want, other than slow motion shots of Megan Fox. Yeah, I was just gonna um, yeah. say, Transformers. It's not a great movie. <laughs> <laughs> if, if Megatron is a gun, how useful is that if he's the Mega, only Decepticon Megatron around? Is, Megatron is not a gun. But like when he turns into a gun, you know, like he when he, he... His arm turns into a gun. No, but yeah. when he transforms, he turns into a gun. He no. turns into a pistol like a, or a, a blaster. I, I don't I'm remember not remembering that. this. I thought he turned into like a blaster and he'd like in the air he'd turn into a blaster and he'd be caught in the hand of uh, what's his name? Starscream or something? Starscream, Starscream is a uh, is an is awesome. Is, it, no, no. None of the Decepticons are awesome. Take that back. Starscream's pretty no, cool. No, just because he turns into a fighter plane doesn't doesn't mean he's cool. He's cool. Whoa, he turns into a yeah. fighter plane? He's a that he's is an cool. Awesome Did you not plane. play with Transformers as a child? Maybe. That explains a lot. You had GoBots, didn't you? Oh. <laughs> Ghetto Transformers. <laughs> Don't diss the GoBots. I like their music. They had good music. You remember the song? GoBots. GoBots. No, just say I just ripped that off from another cartoon. Go Speed Racer. Go Speed Racer. Go Speed Racer. GoBot. I did watch Speed Racer. Transformers, I never watched as a kid. No, not watched. It was a 30-minute commercial. Who the fuck cared? I'm talking about playing with it. That's true, it was. Blame it on the Decepticons. Okay, and once again, Chris has earned himself a mute. Maybe he'll draw some hands flipping us off again. Fractal hands flipping us off. I already I explained to him what that. was wrong with those. Every little one of those points that came up should have been another smaller version well, of a hand flipping us off. It doesn't have to. I mean, like the. Uh, well, this is this is last last podcast. Yeah, who, so who cares? We're still talking about the game of life. Yeah, what are we talking about? Yeah, I am so tired of Transformers. I like. It, there have been so many conversations I just haven't understood because I've never because played with them. Because you were. Apparently abused very badly by your parents as a child because they didn't let you have transformers. I didn't ask for them. I I was oh happy so that with, implies uh... that you got whatever you asked for. So I think that's <laughs> going to deserve a mute too. Oh. <laughs> I'm I'm joking. I'm not, I'm not muting up for being a spoiled brat. Well, I, I did not necessarily get. I didn't get everything that I asked for, but I definitely got very little I didn't ask for. Yeah, that does makes that, sense. Does that Fair make enough. Sense? Braces though, probably. We're on that list of things you didn't ask for, but you got. Uh, look at how crooked his as teeth well are. He maybe... doesn't have braces. He never had braces. I don't know. I, I had braces. Did oh. you ask for them? I don't know. I didn't oh. get braces. Most kids until... don't ask for No, braces. I think well, I did. Well, that's how the game of life goes here, people. <laughs> and that is going to be it for today's episode. Oh, really? <laughs> well, we're not exactly talking about the game of life anymore, are we? Well, We're talking about Transformers and Braces. I like when you put your little, I bet, your little I bet face you could freaking make a Decepticon in the game of life. Something that, like, walks Whoa. around. Uh, isn't isn't that uh, Rule 111 <laughs> in every cellular automata that Decepticons inevitably take over? <laughs> <laughs> oh, and then we got little energon cubes. You know, like, certain cells. Like, if you got, like, 20 cells that make the Alpo, you know, oh, dog food thing, that's an energon cube. And then, the, you know... 
Okay. So if you want to email us and let us know something that you would like us to talk about, and really, as you can tell, we're getting to the end of topics here, people. We really need your help. Email us at combinationsandpermutations at gmail.com. And please look at the blog, which not only will have links, as it always does, and pictures. Always some fun pictures. I haven't I haven't really uh, done any Photoshop things with uh, Nathan, but I feel another one coming up again pretty soon. It will also have a video of us eating sandwiches. And a shout out to all you Basque listeners. That's right. And which you, we now have a second one. And yeah, <laughs> yeah, Basque, Basque listeners, your food, pretty awesome. True. Okay. I hope everyone has a math horrific week. Before we leave you this week, I would love, absolutely love to leave you with a little taste from one of my favorite podcasts of all time, hosted by the inimitable and thoroughly awesome and fantastic Jesse Thorne. So here's a taste of the sound of Young America. Hi, Jesse Thorne here, host and producer of The Sound of Young America. Our show's been such a successful podcast that some people don't know that it's also a nationally syndicated public radio program. With that in mind, I make sure to approach my interviews with the dispassionate objectivity that's expected of all good public radio journalists. Like when I spoke with the writers of The Late Show with David Letterman. I've been thinking a lot lately, probably too much, about a bit called How Many Spider-Mans Fit in a Jamba Juice. (laughs) Right. We really don't have time to deal with... (laughs) What that reflects in you That you've been thinking about that a lot Check out The Sound of Young America And a whole bunch of other podcasts At MaximumFun.org Well, that's it for another episode Of Combinations and Permutations If you want to get a hold of us Please email us at CombinationsandPermutations At gmail.com Also, check out our blog at combinationsandpermutations.blogspot.com. This episode has been licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution Share-Alike license. All the music that you've heard on this podcast is from SP12. If you like what you hear, go check them out at opsound.org. Thank you for listening.